podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. This is our World Cup coverage. This is for Group B. Uh, my name's Daniel. It's your boy, Double H, Half Hope, bro. If you haven't listened to Group A yesterday, go back and listen to that. Um, over the course of this week, like tomorrow's going to be Group C, Friday's going to be Group D, and so on and so forth. So join us as we go through all of these these interviews, as we go through all the groups and all the countries. Really appreciate it. Remember to follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on SoundCloud, Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't. Leave us a five-star review. If it's five stars, we'll read it on episode 101 um, in a couple weeks' time. Um, so, Group B, you look at it and it's top-heavy, but then the other two countries in the group are very interesting. So let's start with Portugal, all right? They're the European champions. You know, they have, I know you don't like Cristiano, but they have arguably best player in the world. I know people say Messi, but Cristiano's arguably the best, definitely the best goal scorer. Yeah, um, they, they have a guy who can win you games from nothing. Because he can score basically whenever he wants if he's given the service. So how how do we see Portugal in this tournament? Do do we feel like they're dark horses? Are they behind? Are they not quite dark horses? Um, what is your opinion on Portugal? For me, I think they are the definitive dark horses for the tournament. Okay, you know, I think you can't put them in as favorites, but as Euro winners. I look at their squad, the blend of youth and experience. I think they're definitely a team that can just go under the radar. I, I think they are the quintessential dark horse. It's interesting, though. I mean, I kind of want to pinpoint like players like Bernardo Silva. I think they took Charisma. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 Charisma can cancel a ball, man. Don't, don't. This Charisma, I still feel, look, man, I think they're a team that you have to watch them. I think they can definitely do things you know so do you feel bad for like players like Renato Sanchez in Euro 2016 he was going to be like the next big thing in football then he goes to to Bayern then Swansea and it just hasn't worked out for him like it's, it's I couldn't bad. have imagined like, after the Euro 2016 the goal he scored all that kind of stuff that the World Cup two years later and he's not in the squad people are questioning his future like I find that very strange no 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 look it's it happens man I mean what I mean what what the hell can he do it's like you have to it yeah. sucks it ain't great but you know, you, this is this is still a meritocracy, and you can't. But same thing with like Nani as well. People will be like, "Oh no, come on, Nani! Look at how much he has done. He just hasn't been playing well enough to be in in the squad." And I think for Renato Sanchez, you know, you can say that's fault of his own because maybe he could have chosen another path. But look, man, it just didn't work out for the dude, you know. And I think for Fernando Santos, you have to pick the Portuguese players who have been playing the best so far this season. Mm. And Sanchez and Nani are not part of that crew. So. Indeed. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go now to our, our interview um, or our conversation that I had with Cristiano Oliveira. Yeah, we just had a really cool conversation. This this is our interview with uh, with Cristiano. What's up, man? My name is Cristiano Oliveira. I'm a part of uh, Three-Headed Monster on the Bifiga podcast. Currently work at SiriusXM. Hosted a bunch of different podcasts and shows. So uh, if you want to check out some of my work, check me out on Twitter at 10CO10, 10CO10. Then we can chit-chat a bit. The Portuguese team right now, they're rolling. They're sky high. You know, they won the Euro 2016. Obviously, the first major championship ever been part of finals. Obviously, 2004 at home, the Euro in Portugal at home, they lost to Greece. They've been part of a bunch of semifinals and other competitions. But right now, the national team is at an all-time high. Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, need I, need I say anymore? 
No, no, not really. I mean, the guy's crazy. Could you kind of talk to me about Portugal's path in qualification? Things could have gotten smoother for Portugal, but they had a little you know, hiccup there with Switzerland that they needed to go to the very last game of the qualification. The winner of that would qualify automatically, and the second place, the loser of that game would have come out in second place, and therefore would have to play the, the, the qualification playoff game. And Portugal was fortunate enough to win that game at home at Stadio Luz, a game that I was fortunate enough to be at. It was a tremendous atmosphere. And that's just the way Portugal does it, man. Portugal, a lot of the times when things should be easy, they leave it for the last second because they just like to make everything interesting. And this is what another one of those qualifications that things were a little bit more interesting than what they should have been initially. So, so what is the kind of mood for the Portugal national team moving into this World Cup? A lot of people I've talked to kind of class you guys as a dark horse, not really in the top five or six, but somewhere near seven, eight, nine in, in terms of teams that can make noise. But what is the kind of general sentiment with Portuguese fans? Well, I, I would agree with you, man. I think I think Portugal right now is dark horse. Anytime you have a player of the caliber, Cristiano Ronaldo, a guy that could wreak havoc, a guy that could win a game on his own, you obviously have a puncher's chance. You know, there are national teams where they're better, that are better one through 23. But I think Portugal as they've shown throughout the qualification here and, they, and as they showed, uh, they showed in the Euro 2016, they played very compact defense. They have caliber players up and down the roster, but just when it comes to one through 23, there's there's at least four or five national teams that are better, better prepared for a tournament like what we're facing coming up now. The one difference maker, though, is Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, anytime, like I said earlier, anytime you have a player of that caliber, a player that could end the game with any single touch, you stand the chance. And I think Portugal would go into this World Cup the same way that they did in the Euro, which is play defense and try to squeeze out one nothing uh, victories because that's what Fernando Santos is known for. Are Portuguese fans looking for, like, we need to get out of the group? We need to be round of 16, quarterfinal, semifinal? What is the vibe in that sense? I think if you speak to a diehard Portuguese national team fan, right, diehard Portuguese person, obviously after winning the Euro in France, right now expectations are very high. I know some of the pundits and some of the experts don't want to put Portugal in the top echelon of clubs going into the World Cup, but if you speak to Portuguese people, if they were able to pull off the shocking victory against the home side, France, and, and pull off something that had never been accomplished, why not do it here at the World Cup? I know things are going to be much tougher, but the expectations are still sky high. And again, man, I keep going back to Cristiano Ronaldo. A lot of the people that don't follow on a daily basis, a lot of the people that don't know about the other teams, will still point to Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, but we have Cristiano Ronaldo, but we have Cristiano Ronaldo. And and you know what, to some extent, they're right. Anytime you have that kind of guy on your team, it, it's a tremendous advantage. And the group is a little bit tougher than I think people give it credit for. I think obviously Spain, everyone knows about Spain. They're, they're right there. If they're not the favorite, they're right there alongside Germany to win the whole thing. But I think Iran plays quality football with the former Portuguese national team coach, a guy that won Portugal. Uh, back-to-back youth World Cups uh, with the, the golden generation with Luis Figo, Paulo Souza, Rui Costa, João Pinto, those guys back in 1990. And so he knows the Portuguese national team well. He knows how to set up for these guys. He coached a lot of these guys. He developed a lot of these guys. So that's that's not going to be a surprise to them. And then Morocco is a team that, if I'm not mistaken, they did not allow a goal throughout the whole qualifying. So uh, they're a little bit better than people give them credit. So it's going to be tough. But I think that Portugal does have enough quality to at least get out of the group. And then from there on, man, look, it, it, it's a puncher's chance against everybody. It's a 50-50 chance against everybody else. And when you have Ronaldo, and I know I keep repeating myself, but <laughs> I apologize. 
Well, when you have Ronaldo, you can't count yourself out. You're always going to be in every game. Yeah, so we know uh, Cristiano is the strongest point of this Portuguese national team. What what would you pinpoint as the weaknesses? Is it defense, midfield, just not enough uh, goals outside of having Ronaldo? What would you say are the, the weak points for this team? Well, coming into the World Cup, the weak point is easily the center back pairing. I know Pepe, you know, is a guy who's 35 years old. The guy's been around the block. He's actually injured as we speak. He got injured for Besiktas against Galatasaray a week ago, if I'm not mistaken. So he's missing the, the you know, the finale of the season here for, for Besiktas, but should be ready for the World Cup. You have a kid in Ruben Diaz, a 20-year-old who's had a very good season for Benfica, a kid that not a lot of people expected much for, uh, from, but he turned out to have a great season. So we're not even sure if he's going to be the center-back pairing alongside Pepe, but I expect them to be. Jose Fonte, Bruno Alves. Those are the question marks, man. Like, the outside backs, everybody is quality players. You have Cedric Suarez. You have Ricardo uh, from Futebol Clube Porto, who had a tremendous year this year. Obviously, the best right back in Portugal this past season. You have Nelson Smith, who plays at Barcelona. You have Juan Cancelo, who's tearing it up at Inter Milan. And on the left side, you have Rafael Guerreiro, who's... Who was injured, I believe, for most of the season. Did not have a stellar season for Borussia Dortmund this year, but he should be ready to go come World Cup time. So that should be our outside back. So the major question right now is by far the center back pairing. What's who's gonna who are you gonna pair alongside a guy like Pepe? Hmm. If, if you can kind of pinpoint players who maybe the world doesn't know that much about that you feel like coming into this World Cup, they're really going to shine. Man, they're really going to shine. That I hope they're really going to shine. I mean, most of the guys you probably heard of, you got a guy like Bernardo Silva from Manchester City. Mm. That's the guy that has the magic in his feet, a guy that could link up play between midfield and, and the forwards and the guy that could wreak havoc on his own and create. So that's a guy you definitely have to keep an eye for. Adrian Silva from AC Milan did not have a good year at all for AC Milan this season. He had, I believe, five goals, if I'm not mistaken. But that's a guy that ever since Fernando Santos has paired him up top with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, things have seemed to work uh, worked out well for them. So uh, he's another guy that I expect to have a good World Cup. If he has a good World Cup, Portugal will have a good World Cup. And then you obviously have guys like William Carvalho, who everyone's heard about. Question marks, does André Gomes from Barcelona, does he make the roster? João Mario, who had a, an abysmal season, uh, season and a half at Inter Milan, who's now West Ham. Those types of guys are the guys I think going to hear from. Uh, if Portugal is to have a good World Cup, you need to have the João Mario. Again, like I said, Bernardo Silva to step up big time. William Carvalho to play stellar defensive center mid. Guys like that. But majority of the guys, like I mentioned, you, you, you've heard of them at some point or another they were all a part of the team in France in 2016 well Bernardo actually wasn't he was injured but that's a guy that I think a lot of people have high expectations for he had a really good season for Manchester City there's really big hopes on this kid coming into this tournament do you think Cristiano Ronaldo needs to win this World Cup in order to validate himself in the annals of history or do you think he's already done enough I think he's already done enough he's done enough to prove himself I am Portuguese, and some Portuguese people probably hate me for saying this. Even if he wins the World Cup, to me, he's still not the greatest footballer of all time. Uh, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but as far as Portuguese footballers go on the national team scale, he'll, he'll by far be the greatest to ever put on that shirt. All right, so who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Man, I, I really like Spain's chances. Obviously, they're in the same group as Portugal. So the one good thing about that is Portugal opened the tournament against Spain. And so get that game out of the way right away. And, and then hopefully they can play free football going forward against the Irans and uh, the, the Moroccos of the world and then just keep it going. I like Germany. I mean, how could you not like Germany? I mean, they're like three deep at every single position. They're absolutely stacked. Uh <laughs> 
Argentina, a team just like Portugal with Ronaldo, they have Lionel Messi. And anytime you have that caliber of player, man, you're going to have a puncher's chance. Then Brazil. Brazil, to me, is the wild card. What Brazil are we going to see? How pivotal of a role will Neymar play? I know right now they, they, they're kind of suffering through a little, little injury setback with Donny Alves, who's going to play the right-back position. But that's another team that's very young and very deep. So to me, those are my favorites. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone else, but I, I'll put those three teams. I know France is a team that a lot of people mention, but I'm not taking them seriously. I know they made the Euro final, but I'm not putting them at that level just yet. To me, it's Spain, Germany, Argentina, and then Portugal's in there, man. Portugal stands in there with the rest of them. It's just my opinion. I'm not being biased. I'm telling you based on, on what I expect to see from the coaching staff and the players and, and what we've seen clubs do in the past. Cool. All right. So is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel like is particularly interesting about the Portuguese national team that you feel people should know or might want to know? The one thing about Portugal is that if you look at what they've done in major tournaments over the last seven or eight major tournaments, that includes World Cup and Euro Championships, only Germany has made more finals or semifinals than Portugal. And that's the one thing. A lot of people just look at Portugal as a one-man team with Cristiano Ronaldo. But as I've told many people in the past, I think that they're a much deeper team than just Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, he's the absolute superstar and there's no one else on the roster at that level. But if you look up and down the Portugal roster, one through 23, um, most of those players all play on big teams. They all play on the biggest teams in Europe. So these guys have all played at this level and they've all played when the lights shine the brightest. So my one thing is just that, that message to the rest of the world that just Portugal is not just a one-man team. There's, there's a lot of caliber, a lot of quality players throughout the rest of the roster. Now, Iran. Do you know anything about Iran? Um, they had a very good qualification, and I think they may, I think they, they, they maybe drew one game or lost one game, but they just had a very good. I remember a guy when I was doing the groups, he was saying to me, like, "Yeah, man, you should really do like a video on Iran's qualification because they were actually really good through qualifications." So yeah, man. I mean, I I didn't know much about Iran, which is why we hooked up with the Gold Bazan podcast, and I talked to Pejman. And, uh, you know, he just he just ran me through, you know, the qualification, um, what Iranian football is, some players to watch, all that kind of stuff. So this is our interview with Pejman from the Gobazan podcast. My name is Pejman Pars, and I'm one of the directors of the Iranian podcast called Golbazan Podcasts, where we basically talk about everything that regards the Iranian national team, the Iranian league, and uh, players and coaches. Yeah, everything that regards with Iranian football. The Iranian national team, I would say it's an interesting mix between high-quality attacking players, but mostly what Iran is famous for uh, under Carlos Kairos, uh, now seven, eight years as a head coach, is that he, he's been able to, to make a really strong team where basically... Uh, you're no longer uh, dependent on one or two great players. Uh, you, you can have major rotations and still be able to function as a team and also know uh, your, your role, uh, the discipline, the tactics. And also for being a Middle Eastern team is a strong tactically uh, and disciplined uh, team, something that maybe we're not that used of when it comes to Asian or at least Middle Eastern uh, football. I, I would say that's the, the major Iranian team you, you will expect. So so what formation does Carlos Caros play? What does it look like? Well, the, the modern football today, uh, you, you have to shift and uh, you have to try different tactics. You have either 4-3-3 three, three, 
or the the ones that uh, Iran usually starts with is four two three one shifting to four three three. That's the Iranian kind of tactic. Cool. In the little reading that I've done about Iran, they've done very very well in qualifying. Has this run kind of inspired confidence in that way? Yeah, the uh, Iran was the second team to qualify after Brazil. Well, if you don't count uh, Russia, of course, but they had no problem qualifying uh, and. They didn't let in a single goal until the last game where they considered to actually a, a draw against Syria, but they were already qualified then. They won most of their games. If not, there were some, some simple draws and maybe games that they should have won. But uh, the strong tactics and the solid defense didn't allow, allow teams such as uh, South Korea, maybe the strongest opponent in the group, and... Uh, like a dark horse in Uzbekistan and Syria to, to score any goals until Syria's last two goals. Uh, so they qualified with ease and uh, in a real professional way, giving them almost over a year's time of preparation for the World Cup. The, the ease with which Iran has qualified for this World Cup, has that given the Iranian people and fans of the Iranian national team confidence that you can actually get out of this group? Because it's a very tough group given Spain and Portugal are in it, and your first game is Morocco. Is is there confidence with fans in the team, or are you guys still a bit worried about the tough group? Well, to be honest, before the draw, the federation and the coaching staff, uh, they all had this goal that uh, Iran should qualify. This is the fifth time they're participating in the World Cup, and they have never gone to the second round. That was before the draw. After the draw, they got maybe one of the toughest and hardest group in the entire World Cup. The aim is still to advance to the second round, but I think they understand now that losing against teams such as Portugal and Spain, you won't feel ashamed of doing that. So you have a do-or-die game against Morocco. So you have to win against Morocco and make a, make a major upset against maybe Portugal getting a draw. Portugal and Spain are going to play each other. So if, if let's say that Spain wins against Portugal in the first game and then beats Morocco, then the game against Iran, they will have six points and probably already qualified. Maybe they will let in their, their bench players. But then again, if you look at the bench of Spain, it's maybe one of the strongest benches in the entire World Cup. So uh, the official stand is to qualify to the second round. But somehow I think people just demand not to lose against Morocco and hopefully play well against Spain and Portugal like they did in 2014 against Argentina and, of course, uh, Nigeria. What are your expectations for the team, just personally speaking? Oh, um, I think if Iran managed to keep its cool, keep its head cool in the start of every game, uh, like in 30, 45 minutes, at least 30 minutes, uh, they will get some confidence and they will understand that, okay, we can actually uh, defend ourselves and we can maybe play good and do some counterattacking against these strong teams. That would be Iran's recipe. And as I said, the games against Morocco, is also do or die for Morocco as well because they're in the same situation as, as Iran. They're also a strong, solid team. They went undefeated uh, from their World Cup qualifiers as well. They didn't even concede a single goal. So you have two tactically, tactically disciplined teams from regions that usually are not that disciplined, but they have good players uh, only. You depend only on them. But I think hopefully if Iran can 
score the first goal. I don't know. It must be a long, long time that Iran have scored the first goal and actually lost. I think you have to go back maybe five, six, seven years to, to find a result like that. Yeah. Wow. So. Um, if there's one player who you feel in the Iranian national team who you feel like this is going to be a great state for them to prove themselves, there's one player that you feel like this is their time to shine. If it's okay, I think I have to choose two players because uh, one would be when Iran is attacking and one would be when Iran is under pressure. So when Iran is attacking, you'll probably have Ali Reza Jahanbakhsh. Uh, he's a big star in Eredivisie in the Netherlands who plays for Asset Alkmaar. Right now he scored 15 goals. He's, he's the second goal scorer of the league. He plays as a on the right in the midfield and often does some great assists or even dribbles himself into the middle of the plan uh, in the middle of the uh, plane and have a nice, really nice right foot. He could be really good for getting those crosses to players such as Sardar Azmoun or Karim Ansarifad or when we have corners. Uh, he can do some important crosses, uh, giving Iran the possibility to, to score goals on, on free kicks as well, because that's something Iran is good at. But he's not as good in the defense. And I guess uh, that Iran will play uh, defensively maybe in all three games. And then a player such as Ehsan Hoj Safi will be really important. He now plays for Olympiakos in Greece, and he will play probably as a, a central defender, midfielding defender uh, in the 4-2-3-1. He will play as one of the number twos uh, in the 4-2-3-1. He's a box-to-box player. Uh, he will be important to, he will be like the heart of the team, uh, making sure that the distance between the defenders and the midfielders in front of him won't be too far. He also have a really good left foot he can score some really nice free kicks, and uh, he also is is good in, you know, these long uh, throws that you see uh, some teams have every now and then, and those okay. are almost like free kicks. So that could be uh, a secret weapon. Ehsan Hoj Safi in the defense, and Arlezo Jahanbakhsh in the offense. What's my other? Okay, I'm asking this to everyone I interview. Uh, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Oof. Um, you need some luck. But, uh, I, I would go with, with two teams again, if it's okay. So I would say <laughs> France or Spain. Because if, if you look at the squad that Spain have, it's like the, the talent, the experience, the depth. They have everything. And they have hungry players. You know, when we saw Spain in, in the uh, Euros last time, they didn't impress at all. They have such a good team that what they need to do is to be focused on on being the best version of themselves. That's basically it, because the the bench of Spain would make a great squad as well. So France France was the first team you said. So they're your favorites, really? The thing is, I always liked France since the World Cup '98. Uh, me too, it, me too, me too. Like I'm, I'm leading France as well because like France is my team by default. So yeah, like Christophe Dugarry, Yuri Jorkaev, Lilian Turam. I don't know. They, they just stuck on me. Uh, Big Saint Lizarazu. Since then, uh, I always enjoyed uh, 
France and uh, maybe they don't have the, the strongest squad, but they have a strong team enough to, to be able to beat any team in the World Cup. So we'll see. Okay. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think is really, really important or interesting that you think people would want to know about Iran? Uh, maybe. The thing is, uh, a lot of people don't know Iranian football, to be fair. Uh, maybe they don't even know a, a single player today. Some people maybe know Ali Dai, Ali Dai back in the days, or Ali Karimi, or maybe they know Mehdi Matavikia. But uh, I would say, or, or the good thing about Iran today is that you have such a strong team that no team, not even Portugal or Spain, will have an easy time against Iran. Carlos Queiroz have, have made wonders with the national team, uh, making sure that the lack of uh, good players that, that Iran maybe have, you, you can instead find of that in, in uh, the well-disciplined and the well-organized team. And today, Iran have plenty of good players up front. I mean, as I said, Jahan Bakhsh, 15 goals in Eredivisie. Karim Ansarifard, 14 goals in Greece so far. Kaveh Rezoi, he might not even make the squad and he's already scored 14, 13 goals in, in the Jupiler League in Belgium. We have a super talent, or maybe he's too old for you know, talent now, he's 23 now. Ozmoon, who's, who's got an amazing track record in the national team with, I think, like, 23 goals in 31 games or something like that. So Iran have plenty of good goal scorers. The only problem is, will they be able to prove that in the World Cup against strong teams? We're going to go Africa, North Africa, and we're going to talk about Morocco. The MVP is their, is their coach. I think he's Irv Renat. He won the Nations Cup with Zambia, I believe. And I and, and Ivory Coast. Uh, but I think the one with Zambia was far more impressive. Even in the, the last Nations Cup, they were very unlucky. I think they lost to Egypt. They play, basically, they play, they're a very well coached team and they're and they, they very, very functional teams. I think they're not expected to, to, to go through, but if Portugal, Spain underestimate them and Spain and Portugal aren't at their best, Morocco can easily sneak, sneak, sneak a, a win. Um, you know, they have some good players. You know, they have uh, Benatia, they have who's, who's uh, the, the Ajax guy? Hakim Zayesh uh, from Ajax is probably going to get his big move. I mean, they have some talented players. It's a shame that they're in a group with Portugal and Spain. But, you know, their coach, as, as, as you say, I mean, their coach is really good. So maybe he can get something from them that people might not expect. But this is going to be our interview uh, or our conversation with Jalal Bounoir, um, who's based in Casablanca. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice, a nice spot. I mean, we had a really cool conversation. He was super hyped about Morocco's chances. So this is our conversation with Jalal. So it's Jalal Bonoir, Moroccan journalist based in Casablanca. I work for almarsadpro.com. It's a Moroccan website that is interested in Moroccan players in all over the world, bringing to the Moroccan fans the news of Moroccan players who play in all over the world. Concerning the Moroccan national team, I think our style, it's 4-5-1. And sometimes sometimes we change it into 4-4-2 uh, in, the second, in the second half of, of, of the match. We play uh, as one group. 
we have talented players, but we try to play as one group. So uh, if you ask me about what is important in our what is important in our team, it's the the spirit of the group. We have a strong spirit group that is uh, very strong concerning the defense, and also it's very strong in, in the middle field. In the middle field, so we have quality players. So we focus a lot on on organizing our games from the defense. So let's see we. So concerning, for example, the qualification stage, we haven't received any goal. Defensively, we are strong, but we focus a lot on the middle field. We have quality players who the, who organize the, the game. We don't have one attacker, but maybe that middle field can, can bring us maybe to score. And also, we may even def- defenses can score maybe. That's very important for us. Mm. Uh, could you kind of talk to me about your qualification group and what it was like going through Gabon, Mali, Ivory Coast? The group of Morocco in the qualification was the strongest one uh, because there were uh, very strong African nations, like, for example, Ivory Coast, with uh, its quality players, like, for example, Aubameyang's Gabon and, and also Mali. So Morocco came on the top of the group after beating uh, Mali 6-0, 6-0 in Morocco. And you know Mali, they have very good players. And also we won 2-0 inside Abidjan. You know Ivory Coast with very good players. Uh, and also we we were able to score in Gabon here in Morocco 3-0, 3-0 in Morocco. So that was really very important for us. Uh, in fact, uh, we have got a very good coach. Uh, Erwin Renard, who is uh, who knows a lot about African football. He he has already got uh, uh, two African titles with Zambia and also with Ivory Coast. So when he came to our national team, he tried a lot to create a new spirit, a new a new style, a new uh, spirit of playing uh, that is based on giving a lot for for the national team, giving a lot for Morocco. And I think all players who who join the national team, they, they play well. All of them, they, they, they give a lot because of that, of that spirit that we have in, in the national team now. It was great for us to be top of, of, our, of our group and uh, we had no goal in our, in our defense, so that was very good for us. Wow. 20 years of being absent from the World Cup. From 1998, that was organized in France, Morocco uh, has not uh, been able to play in the World Cup Tell this generation of football players who play in all over the world. You know what? You spoke about Renard, just kind of the confidence that he's given the team. I'm curious about just kind of the Moroccan people. How do they see the team? Obviously, you guys have a very, very tough group with Spain, Portugal. Your first game is against Iran. What is the what is the mood in Morocco, that kind of expectations for this World Cup? Is it just don't embarrass yourself or is it more like, okay, we can do something? Uh, let's be honest with you. We we have participated in in so many uh, tournaments and championships. And let me be frank with you and tell you that maybe it's the first time that Moroccan people, if you ask them about the national team, they are satisfied. Mm. Maybe two years ago, three years ago, and four and before uh, they were not. But now, if you ask any Moroccan fan interested in football about the national team, they say yes, we do trust our national team. And we are satisfied. Why? Because we, it's the first time that we can see a very, uh, we, we see uh, players who give everything for, for the team. And that's very important. So we know that it's very hard, the group with Spain, Portugal and Iran. But also we have quality players like Mehdi Banatea who plays in the UV, like Hakim Zayesh in Amsterdam, like Sufyan Bufal in South 
something like like other quality quality players playing in very uh, strong championships in the world. So I think uh, if we are able to win the first for the first match against Iran and we get three points, then we can play versus Portugal and also versus uh, versus Spain, uh, and we can maybe try to look for victory. Why not? Uh, in in the preparation before the World Cup three weeks ago, we played against Serbia, and you know the Serbian team. And we won 2-0. We won 2-0 against Serbia, and that was very good. And also we played against Uzbekistan, and we won also against Uzbekistan. So I think that the national team, Moroccan national team, is strong. We won, we won against Serbia 2-1, 2-1. So I think it's, it's strong, and Moroccan people are really crazy about this team. And so many Moroccan fans have booked their tickets to attend the, the World Cup in Russia. And even Moroccan immigrants in Europe they are going to attend this World Cup and we will be behind the national team and we trust them. And I think we can even beat Portugal, why not? And we look for <laughs> for, for a victory against or for, for a surprise against Spain. So uh, football is 90 minutes. So we can uh, do something in the World Cup. And not, not, only me, not only me who is saying this. Before talking to you, I was reading an article by a world-class newspaper. They were talking about Morocco as... They may, they may make noise in the World Cup like that. That was the title. Morocco may make, make noise in the World Cup. Like if you remember Costa Rica in mm. the previous World Cup, they are talking now about Morocco. Why? Because we have very good team and strong team and they play very well and we have very good players so that's very important for us so mm. the match is 90 minutes you know you guys are going to be playing very very big teams people are going to be watching portugal they're going to be watching spain all through the tournament is there one moroccan player that you can pinpoint that like this guy's really going to impress and he could get his move somewhere to a big club in morocco a player who play, who plays in the in the moroccan league his name is ayub al-kabi he was the, the top scorer of the last uh, African Championship Cup. And uh, we think that he, he will be playing in the World Cup uh, with Morocco. And I think he will move to a bigger, big club. There are other players. There are other players like, for example, the striker of El Ahli in Egypt, uh, Walid Azaro. And I think after World Cup, he will be moving to another to another team. There is another player uh, whose name is uh, Ganem Sayers. He plays uh, for uh, Wolverhampton. I think after the World Cup, he will be in a, a better club and a strong club. Uh, now they will be in the Premier League next season. So his team will be in the Premier League. But I think that he will move to another, to a big club. Even Hakim Ziyech, who plays in Ajax Amsterdam. Hakim Ziyech, after the World Cup, I'm sure that they will move to another uh, to another club, maybe in, in, in England or, or maybe in Spain or in Italy. So we have quality players and I think... I think that they just they must keep the spirit and keep the, the 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 work up and try to work hard and to concentrate and to keep this dream a dream of a nation a dream of a whole a whole country a country that is really crazy about football. Mm. How far does Morocco get? If you had to give me like a group, do they get past the group stage, round of sixteen, quarterfinal? Like, what is your expectation personally? I, I think I think we will move. Uh, so I think that Spain and Morocco will make it to the 16, and I think we will play in the uh, in the second round. We'll go. We will play in the, the at least the six. The uh, I think the 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 second round, the 16s. I think what? Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Who is going to win the World Cup? Of course, I'm not going to tell you Morocco, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you. I'm going to tell you maybe maybe uh, Brazil. 
But I think, uh, you know, after 10 years or uh, 14 years, Brazil is always back. So there was Germany and uh, I think, uh, and think uh, before Germany, it was Spain. And I think it's time now back for, for Brazil. Yeah, that's okay. the law of football, maybe. <laughs> All right, last, last question. I'm asking this to everyone as well. Is there something that I haven't asked you that you think is very interesting about the Moroccan national team that you think people would want to know? Morocco now maybe it's the is the best team in Africa and uh, I think that in the World Cup Morocco uh, will will play not only for for the country the, I mean the national team will play for the whole African continent I think we can keep it up and we can uh, keep uh, our concentration and as I told you the spirit that we can see in the national team the players when they are uh, when they are eating they are singing and uh, that's a new atmosphere that we have never seen in Morocco Last country, Spain. Uh, Spain. Favorites to top the group. You know, we've done this podcast enough to where I know every time I say Spain, you go, España. <laughs> oh, no, 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 seriously, I, I literally can't help it. It's, it's just like, it's like an automatic thing. España. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this is, this is the favorite to top the group. Many people's favorites to win the World Cup. Incredible squads. Incredible? I mean, well, that's actually like people say incredible. Is it really? I mean, in Iniesta's turns like 82 next next year, <laughs> PK, I still think is a, is a brick. But there's some talent. For me, I still think if you wanted to say talented squad, it's going to be Germany. But I just think that Spain does have a quality, a lot of quality there. Bro, they have think... like, they, they, they have legit seven midfields. That would be top three in the tournament. But then ap- apart from Diego Costa, who else is their striker? They didn't take Morata. Oof. <laughs> um, I mean, like, Yo, I mean, what's what's a fall from 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 Grace, man? Listen, man, all all the Premier League Spanish players that didn't go. So you have like Pedro, Fabregas, Alonso, Morata, Juan Mata, Ander Herrera. They're just all going to be sat at home watching the World Cup with us. No, no, no. Actually, the funniest thing was watching Fabregas say, "No, no, 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 no." Let me just wait until the, the World Cup before I, I make a decision on my future. Bro, I think you've got en- enough time now to, to make that de- decision. <laughs> from, so. You've got about a month, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I think Spain, they, they have to be favorites, man. In, in, in terms of just not favorites, one of the favorites to win this World Cup. I mean, just, just as I say, from top to bottom, I mean, they have arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. Their defense, I mean, they lost Carvajal in the Champions League final, which was unfortunate. But everywhere else, other than right back... And I mean, they have uh, Aspilicueta that can come in and play right back if they need to. They're solid everywhere. Even Diego Costa has kind of found his feet in the Spain team more than he did in, in Brazil in 2014. Like, they're just a really, really good team. But uh, this is our conversation that, that we had with uh, Rick Sharma, who is a football journalist based in Spain, Barcelona to be exact. Um, yeah, we just had a really cool conversation about all things Spain. And yeah, this is that conversation. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I'm Rick Sharma. I am a freelance journalist. I work for Diario Sport, Daily Mirror in England, and news agency Reuters and DPA, which is a German news agency. Spanish football is in is in a very, very healthy state. Obviously, the last two tournaments don't really reflect that because they were knocked out in the group stages of uh, the World Cup in 2014 and then by Italy in the last 16 at the Euros. But with new coach Julian Lopetegui, who's been in charge for a couple of years now, They've got back to the level they were at when they when they won the World Cup in 2010. They won nine out of ten games in the group, scored I think 36 goals in that over those games. 
looked more or less unbeatable. They had a recent friendly against Argentina, which they won 6-1, which I think kind of got everyone in the world to sit up and pay attention to the fact that Spain are back. What they have now is the perfect kind of blend of young players and veteran players. In the last couple of tournaments, I think Vincente Del Bosque, the, the previous coach, used too many sort of players that he trusted and he relied on and he loved, which is, you can understand it from his point of view, but ultimately that the change needs to happen, the team needed to be refreshed. And that's what we've got now. We've got the mix of sort of yeah, Andres Iniesta's, Busquets, Ramos, Gerard Piquet, and those kind of players who've been there and done that. And they know how everything works and how the World Cup works. And they know how to sort of deal with the boredom that you get at a tournament and the cabin fever almost of being cooped up somewhere. But then you have the young players like Marco Asensio. Lucas Vasquez is not that young, but in terms of international football, he's more or less a baby. He's just getting into it. The players who are excited, the players who have not won anything in the international stage and who are, who are desperate to do so. And it's just a wonderful blend. And I think that makes Spain a very potent threat. Mm, so this is the first tournament since the World Cup 2010 where Del Bosque isn't in charge. Is is there confidence with Loptegui or is it just more confidence in the players? No, there's a lot of confidence in Lopetegui. And ultimately, when he took over, he, he'd he only coached Porto as well as sort of Spanish youth teams. He hadn't had much first team experience. And so there were, there were some doubts, but that the qualifying campaign where Spain just more or less blew everyone away, beat Italy 3-0. I think Lopetegui is proving he is he is the perfect man for the job almost. He's, it's a new impetus, a new coach, new demands, more in line with the modern game than Del Bosque was. He should have gone in after 2014 and someone else been appointed, went on a bit too long. But now Lopetegui's here. Unlike Del Bosque, who sort of relied on the players that he knew and liked and the ones almost that played in Spain and that he could watch and not have to bother going anywhere, Lopetegui's been much more active in terms of travelling to watch players and looking at, you know, sort of maybe the Chelsea players in Marcos Alonso and Morata, although he was at Madrid, and Fabregas and all that, and more willing to look abroad for Spanish players than than Del Bosque was. Mm, so could you kind of walk me through the, the Spanish qualification? As you said, it went really well, but could you kind of give me a breakdown on, on how that went? Sure. They won nine out of ten games. They scored a bunch of goals. Uh, they beat Italy 3-0, which is probably the best performance. And it's kind of, that was kind of the game where... Isco, Isco scored two goals in that game and that was kind of the game where we, we realised that although at Real Madrid Isco isn't a particularly important player, he's not always selected, we realised that Isco is pretty important for Julio Lopetegui's team because he's the player that, that brings the magic to that team and I think almost using Isco as a prism you can, you can see the team of how it works, it's that Isco is a star player shows that it's not a team where you're relying on individuals. It's a team where, like when they were at their best in 2010, it's not a team where you can pick up one player and say, that's a star player. It's a team where the whole team is strong. The strength and depth is unbelievable. We saw that in over the qualifying campaign. Take away Spain's first choice midfield and you can put another midfield in, which is still better than practically any other midfield at the tournament. If you kind of combine those two uh, questions or kind of your, your points there, where there's confidence in the manager, there's confidence in the team. Spain played well in uh, World Cup qualification. What are the general expectations? Is it to win the World Cup? Is it to get to a final? Like, what would you say is the vibe in Spain for this particular team? For sure, it's it's to get to the, the last four, the semifinals. Obviously, Spain, are, I would say they're in the strongest four teams with France, Germany and Brazil probably be the 
teams say are the strongest at this tournament. And anything less than that would be disappointing because of how impressive they've been in the qualifying campaign. I mean, if they if they get to the final and lose, I don't think people were saying Spain have messed up here. I think they'll say, you know, we're back. It would be disappointing for people in Spain, but we're back. We're now the team that gets to the final. We're now the team that you think is going to go on and win the tournament. Semi-final, again, similar. I think if you get it knocked out of the quarterfinals, I don't think they'll be happy with that. That's not acceptable. The semi-final is sort of the bare minimum. Mm, so if we could kind of look on the pitch for a second. I'm, I'm looking at Spain's striker situation. I've always had questions about whether Diego Costa is a match for this team. I, he doesn't seem like a player that fits into that kind of Barcelona system, which I feel like the Spain national team is kind of co-opted and used. But then you look at other options like Alvaro Morata. He doesn't seem in form at the moment. Um, what What is their striker situation? Is it going to be like more false nine? Is it going to be like, what does that look like, I guess is my question. It's definitely the most interesting area of the team. Everything else is more or less set in stone. It's the striker situation is the, the hot topic, really. And like you say, I mean, the options are good. The players are good, but they don't, none of them, none of the players that, that could be picked kind of fit that the exact sort of Spain style right? in the same way that maybe David Villa did. And I mean, mm. he was in a squad recently, so he, I guess he is an option, but I don't think they will bring him to the World Cup. I think that's more or less uh, done and dusted. The, the players they could bring, they'll bring, they'll bring three players out of Diego Costa, Alvaro Morata, Iago Aspas and Rodrigo, the Valencia striker. With Diego Costa, if he goes to the World Cup, which he almost certainly will, he'll probably start. It's not worth bringing Costa if you're not going to start him. I was speaking to someone who was at the World Cup in 2014 and they said they were in like in the Spain camp and they were watching the Spain training sessions that Costa was kind of just a bit lost. He didn't really belong. And I know it's four years now has passed since then and that's a lot of time. But I mean, he hasn't spent a great deal of that time with the Spain camp and partly because of his exile with Chelsea and the fact he couldn't play for a few months because of that. But he, I mean, he was good recently when he was called up and... He is a big name. He hasn't he hasn't really had the best season at Atletico. I know everyone will have seen the Arsenal Europa League semi-final. Obviously, he scored in that and was just an absolute menace. But if you ignore that game at Atletico, he hasn't had the greatest of returns. But if he's in the squad, he will probably will start. And Morata, Julio Lopetegui might bring Morata because he knows that when Morata's fit and motivated, he is capable of doing something special. But he has had a nightmare season at Chelsea. Maybe he'll miss out. I mean, he's been complaining about his back injury at Chelsea for, for months. And he's like, I think Conte said the other day, he's fit. And then the next day, when it was day of the game, he wasn't fit and he couldn't be included in the squad. Something very strange going on there with Morata. If neither Costa nor Morata nor um, Aspas or Rodrigo are turning out to be any good, then it wouldn't surprise me if Lopetegui did revert to false nine sort of role with maybe uh, David Silva up front or something like that, if, if things aren't going well with the strikers. Hmm. Are there any players who maybe, because, you know, we generally know who the Spain team is, but are there any players who are on the outside looking in that you feel like if they made it into the 23, that they could have a really good World Cup? Yeah, for me, the big player is Sergio Roberto. Who's, he's the biggest kind of player that could be excluded from the squad. And if I was Julio Lopetegui, I would absolutely bring him. He's a wild card sort of character. He can play anywhere uh, apart from goalkeeper, more or less. <laughs> I've not seen him centre-back or striker, but outside of that, I've seen him play in all those other positions and he, he does a good job. I mean, Lovatek, he doesn't quite see it the same way. He'd rather have a specialist. I mean, he might bring real Sociedad defender Audrey Zola, who's had a good season, but I mean, for me, I'd definitely bring Sergio Roberto and I would absolutely trust that wherever I put him in that team, he would do a good job. Is is this still Iniesta's team? I, I, I know kind of at the beginning, you said it's kind of nobody's team and Spain is kind of a thing in and of itself but like whose team is this 
Iniesta sure has is an important player in the team, but I just I, I I'm going to stand by what I said before, and I think that <laughs> if you took if you took any of those players out, you wouldn't find someone to replace him like for like exactly, but it wouldn't be much different. You know, the only I'd almost say actually the only player in the entire team, apart from maybe David Gea, that you could take out uh, and Spain suffer is probably Sergio Busquets because players like Coque and Saul. And even like Thiago could play in a deeper role for a couple of games or something, but none of them can offer quite what Busquets offers. Anyone can really in world football, I don't think. And that's Barca found that too. And that's why Busquets looks absolutely exhausted at the moment because they simply haven't found anyone they can put there to do his job. They tried Andre Gomez, but he's been sort of abysmal this season, to be honest. And even Rakitic, who I think even Rakitic has done a good job in the sort of defensive midfield role, but he just does not play the same passes, does not have the same positional intelligence that Busquets has, basically. Mm. All right, so who's going to win the World Cup? And I'm not going to make you say Spain if you don't want to. <laughs> World Cup, you know, World Cups are the hardest things to predict because it's it's not just about which who's got the best team. I think, as we said, those four teams, Spain, France, Germany, and Brazil are probably of the four best teams on paper. Brazil, maybe only if Neymar is, is fit and back to his best. But the World Cup, you can't really tell until, until you get there which teams can just cope with. I mentioned earlier the sort of the boredom and the, the cabin fever of being locked in their camp, the sort of attitude and and just the way the players take to being at the tournament and, and how they cope and the travel and the distances. That's why World Cups are so hard to predict because if one team can cope with those better than any other, and injuries too, because in over a season, injuries sort of balance out. Everyone gets some injuries. So on during the World Cup, if you miss a couple of players, then, then you might be in trouble. Although, as we said, Spain probably could cope with that unless it's Busquets or De Gea. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Spain. I think they can do it this year. Okay. All right, so last question. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel is kind of particularly interesting about this Spain team that you feel people should know or might want to know? Um, I guess there's that you could talk about the sort of shift because last time when Spain won the World Cup, they were playing in a very Barcelona-type way. And they had a lot of Barcelona players in that team. Obviously, Iniesta is still there, but Xavi, Poyol, Fabregas and all that. But now it's, it's, it's a real Madrid kind of focus on the team instead of a Barcelona focus. I mean, the playing style is still in between and probably close to Barca, but... The actual team is built up of Real Madrid players. There's Danny Carvajal, Asensio, Lucas Vasquez will be in there, Nacho Fernandez will be in the squad, Sergio Ramos and Isco. As we said, Isco is a pretty important way of looking at the Spain team because that is the style they're trying to encapsulate under Lopetegui. Okay, who are the two teams going through? Who, Who goes first? Who goes second? Spain, Portugal. No chance for Morocco, no chance for Iran for you. Look, I told you, like, like, like Spain 100% after all, like 100% there, because yes. they are far better equipped than they were four years ago. Portugal, if they mess up, I will I will never let Cristiano to live, live it down. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to happen. Any chance we see you at this World Cup? I can't reveal that information right now. So. <laughs> if, 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 if Portugal gets to a quarterfinal, I'm expecting to see you have hope in. As I said, as I said, I can't, I, I cannot reveal anything at this moment in time. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I, I don't think there's any other. I mean, I was trying to see if I could get you to say Morocco or Iran, but I can't personally. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's Spain, Portugal. I think it's Spain, Portugal, probably Morocco, and then Iran last. But that could go either way. So yeah, that's our that's our Group B preview. Again, thank you to Cristiano, Jalil, Pejman, and Rick. We really appreciate you guys coming on. 
The links to their Twitter are all going to be in the description of the podcast. We're at Talking Tactics on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm at Daniel to look. Have hope is at at half of pots. Indeed, you can subscribe to the Half of Football Hut if you feel like it. Remember to leave iTunes reviews. If it's five stars, we'll read it on the podcast in a couple weeks. This is Group B. Group C comes out tomorrow. Group A came out yesterday. So stay in tune with us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.